back to the Anti-Bully Club podcast. Detlin, how are we? Oh, bro, I'm amazing. How are you? Yeah, man, I'm pretty good. I've actually got a little uh, trip booked with uh, just the wife and I coming up with, uh, with no kids, something that we haven't had for four years. Which is pretty weird that you haven't invited me, but, you know, that's fine. <laughs> Now, I'm, uh, I'm actually a bit nervous about this podcast. For one of the first times, it's someone that I don't know too much about, apart from what we've spoken about. I did a little Instagram stalk on him the other day. Um, do you want to give him a bit of an intro on uh, who we got on the show next? Well, bro, um, to be fair, I don't really know him that well either. I um, picked him up off the street one time and um, he just never left me alone. But... Um, on top of that, he's uh, one of my best friends, uh, and he also happens to be a tattoo artist at my tattoo shop. So, um, let's introduce Luke. Hey, how you doing, matey? Uh, hey, I'm Luke. Um, good to uh, good to be here on the on the waves or whatever a podcast travels on. But <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. I've heard I've heard a bit about you. I got to admit, and I, I did have a all terrible. Thought. I bet. Man, all awful. All of it was. I got to admit, I, did, I didn't want you on the show one bit. Yeah, That's right. Neither did I. But we were, we were, we were strapped for people. So we were. Yeah, we, we sort of spoke the other night and said we just need to get Luke on. We've got no one else. Yeah, no, that that's the that's the best way, I think. And uh, you're a bit of a, a legend to tell you the truth, because you're not just a tattoo artist that's got ten fingers, have you? You're you've got a little bit less, from what I believe. I've got definitely less. Uh, possibly a worrying amount when uh, you know people look at it and they're like, "Wow, you 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 can tattoo with that." Uh, no, so I I'm actually uh, I, I was born with a um, a rare uh, hand deformity where so on one hand uh, I've got a thumb and my middle finger and that's it. So uh, it's it's like a one in a hundred thousand deformity. Um, so it's pretty rare, but I've met other people with it and stuff. So the, the, there's more of us out there. But yeah, I can still tattoo. Um, yeah, do everything in my job. I still drive. Like it doesn't. Realistically, the only thing that stops me from doing is I couldn't work in hospitality because I can't carry two mugs. Ah, uh, you couldn't <laughs> carry all the plates. Yeah, exactly. I'd probably disappoint people by dropping their food everywhere. But you know, but I can still you know permanently mark people's skin for life. And you can uh, still so give a thumbs up, and you can still give them the bird. Yep, but yeah, just... but you wouldn't know that he's given you the bird because yeah. it's a weird shape. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's a straight. He's a weird dude. So, so I've got to admit, with all the stalking that I could do, Luke, I could not see your hand. Is it your right or left hand? It's my right hand. It's your um, right hand. And is that yeah. your dominant hand, or because because you're born with it, you just your left became your go-to? Yeah, I, I don't know what it was meant to be naturally, but like my left is my go-to. I can still do most stuff with my right hand anyway. Like I can write better with, with my right hand than my dad can with his less dominant hand. So, oh, you can definitely write better than I. I'm, I'm one of the worst handwriters you'll ever see. Uh, mine's mine's quite shocking for someone that you know, like you know, tattoos lettering on people. Like the lettering comes out real nice, but if I'm just writing some notes down, it is awful to look at. So. And, yeah, I, I know myself. And and coming to, I mean, we're going to start the show soon. I'm just more intrigued to tell you the truth at the moment. But um, you had a bit of a nickname as well. Has this nickname been something that has been with you since you were a kid? Or is this something that Detlin and the Tattoo Boys sort of gave to you when like, you started in the shop? Uh, would it possibly be the claw? It would be the claw. 
So uh, it's look, it's something that I got like a little bit of when I was younger, um, but it's it's more so. It kind of came about as like a bit of branding for myself, and that was a bit of kind of like taking the power back as well. Where I'm, yes. I'm now, I'm now using you know my deformity or disability or whatever you were branded as as you know my own marketing for myself and you know i've i've got shirts with you know my hand on it and and my and my logo that's got claw ink and stuff as well which is a cool name by the way oh thank you very much yeah um but yeah it's uh it's something that yeah i i got a bit of as a kid but mostly when i started tattooing um uh Detlin and uh our other owner were like man what are we gonna like what's your tattoo name going to be? Are you going to have like a character or are you just going to kind of like use your name? And then, yeah, it had to be the claw. It was going to be, you know, something uh, something hand-related. Man, I, I know. look, the first thing I thought of, and I'm glad that you've embraced the name now because I can imagine as a kid it would not have been the nicest name. I could imagine that, uh, you know, hearing people snigger and say things about you, and, and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that in the podcast. But to take full ownership of it and then have that as, man, I call it my superpower. Like when it comes to things that you embrace that are in, you know, not perfect, imperfections, it becomes your superpower because people can't use it against you. If someone comes in and says, oh, I want to go get tattooed from him, the claw, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a massive credit to you because he knows who you are. He knows that you're a tattoo artist and he wants to get tattooed by you. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, even like I've been recognized and stuff kind of because of it as well. Like, even at, um, you know, we go around and do the tattoo conventions and expos and stuff. And at uh, my first interstate expo, there was a, um, like a, a merch booth or something up there that uh, one of the one of the uh, girls that was working it was just like, hey, you're the claw guy, aren't you? And like, I had never met this person before. This was a different state. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And like, again, as you said, I don't think I even really have that many photos of my hand or photos with my hand online but still like you know it's been recognized or like you know i'm some sort of recognizable character now because of it and um and yeah it's not i I never really get any sort of negative connotation from it as well but i think also like being working in a tattoo shop not that many of us are like you know actually bad scary people but like you don't really go into a tattoo shop and then like make fun of the people that work there it's probably not the best place to do that (laughs) (laughs) it still has that vibe doesn't it now, yeah, put on yeah. a talk to you all day about this. You seem like a cool sort of dude, but let's get into the podcast. Detlin, let's throw in one of the fireball questions that you always have for our guests. Well, actually, just firstly, he did mention that it is a disability, but it's it's not because there's a certain thing that Luke can't get because of his disability. Okay, let's talk about that. Yes, yeah, please. Luke, what can't you get because of the fact that you've got less fingers than everybody else? Uh, I can't get on disability pension. So can you explain why not? Or you you still want that explained to you, I suppose? No, mind, yeah, well, firstly, he'd love for it to be told to him. But firstly, like, the dude could learn how to tie his shoes at 19 and yet he can't get money from the government for being, you know, impaired. I think it's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Look, I did wear, like, you know, shoes without laces and, like, Velcro shoes for a very long time. And I rocked them hard, you know. I made them look good. But, you know... It was harder to tie my shoes and stuff. You know, I never got shown properly. Weirdly enough, I got shown how to tie my shoes at work by uh, one of the like you know, upper management at my old job, um, uh, because 
I had to like tie up dresses and stuff in a retail shop and they were like, yeah, here's how to do, you know, like, you know, your, your, your basic knots. <laughs> you, and I was your, like, oh, your, so... your, your prep. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, yeah, this is how you, you tie like a basic knot. And I was like, oh, so this is like shoelaces, right? And I was like, yeah. And then I just, you know, did that with my shoelaces and I was all good. But yeah, I was like nearly, nearly 20 years old at this point. So what, <laughs> yeah, like you, like you said, you don't even know the answer, but what technically classifies as a, as a disability? Would you have to have no fingers on one hand or no fingers at all? Like, how does that well, work? It's, it's it's pretty different when i i have tried a, like at a couple different times throughout my life to get onto it and it's not something that i'm like necessarily proud of having to get onto it because i'm i'm someone that's i'm pretty like motivated to work and i've got a pretty strong work ethic and i really do like working for myself and being able to like really push myself and stuff but uh, when I was younger and like couldn't find work no matter what I did you know I'd be handing in a bunch of resumes and wouldn't go anywhere um, uh, it just kind of seemed like the one, one of the only options that might work for getting you know actual money and, it, and my hand does actually stop me from doing some stuff not a whole lot but it's more like I'm able to do things but because of my wrists and tendons and stuff as well I get like uh, tendonitis and carpal tunnel and things really easily um, really susceptible to RSI and things like that and then overcompensating with the other parts of my body to make up for you know less strain on my right hand then throws out you know know, my other arm and shoulders and stuff like quite quickly so that was kind of my reason for wanting to get onto it and uh the first time that i really tried to get onto it when i was about 20 years old um uh, i was told basically that to be qualified for disability you need to not be able to wipe your own ass basically You, you you can't go to the toilet yourself is what they classify as it but I'm going to call bullshit on that because there's a guy that I know that has an entire hand but another arm issue and is still on it. <laughs> yeah, I believe it, man. It's like they, they do make exemptions and they do... Yeah, I can't say too much. I don't know how the system works, but that is just ludicrous. I would have thought you'd been on something as an incentive or, uh, you know, you even look at adults when they get apprenticeships over the age of 26, they get more money to do the apprenticeship like you know i don't know if you call it a handicap because you don't have as much many fingers that they give you like a bit more money or something i'm not too sure but i would have thought there would have been something um all right let's get into the show now because honestly i could i just feel like i could catch up with you and just have a good old yarn but <laughs> we do have a show after all and it's been 10 minutes in so detlin want to fire it away yes i do now luke growing up did you have any kind of uh What's I don't even remember. You've, I've lost track of time and like my words at the moment because I just keep. I'm I'm actually here with Luke right now, so I get to look at his absolutely gorgeous hand um all the time. But yeah, sorry. It's like a sweet um, potato. It's like a sweet potato. It actually is. I've never <laughs> thought of that. We've never actually mentioned that before in at all. But yeah, growing up, Luke, did you ever have anyone that sort of inspired you or anything along those lines while growing up, or even now? And you can say me. Look, I, I would say you, but I think, you know, your, your, your head barely fits in that hat right now anyway. Like too much. But uh, no, when I was a kid growing up, definitely my um, my grandparents were uh, a very big inspiration as far as like, you know, they they come from, uh, my, my, my grandma at least came from a very uh, impoverished family and my grandpa grew up not poor, but like not well off. And um, yeah, just through basically 
no, they, neither of them went to university, but through hard work, determination, and uh, just good business skills, they made uh, quite a comfortable life for themselves and, and their kids. And, you know, they were really, really good examples of uh, loving family members and, and, you know, just the kind of success that you can have off of hard work. Um, so that was probably one of the things that really actually, uh, yeah, like inspired me. And uh, I think even... Uh, and like my my biggest inspirations right now would actually be like you know, I joke like I was joking before, but you know like actually Detlin is like Detlin and uh, uh, my tattoo mentor who runs the the tattoo shop with him as well um, would be some of my biggest inspirations as far as like again really just kind of making it for yourself and kind of saying you know like screw you to the establishment and you know making up your own life and you know getting as far as you can kind of from you know through your own determination. I love that. I yeah, love we're, we're, we're pretty good over here at uh, Dead Mind Tattoos. We uh, inspire everyone here. You are you are pretty inspirational, mate. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I've, I've got one for you, mate. So when you were growing up, and you don't have to name a particular time, but when did you realise, and I don't know, like maybe you just knew it all along, but was there a moment where you realised, oh, I've only got two fingers, everyone's got five, like this sucks? Was there a certain point as a kid that you remember feeling that or was it just a constant basis when you were a kid? Um, it, it wasn't really a thing that I thought of probably until primary school because like, you know, in like kindergarten, kids didn't really pick up on stuff like that. And like, and you know, I lived with, uh, with my dad and my grandparents when I was younger and they were all like very, very supportive and, and you know, it's, it's for myself, it's not something that I notice a lot even now, like, the only times that I notice it now that I have less fingers is if I'm driving and my hand's right in front of me on the steering wheel. I'm like, oh, crap, forgot about that. But, you know, when I was a kid, the like going to school and, and starting primary school was the main kind of like, you know, real thing where, you know, I was a bit older, had a bit more kind of consciousness about it and stuff and, and, and could really kind of see it a bit more. But also that's where the bullying started and it became very apparent that I was different. Yeah. Uh, also, it didn't help that I was a fat ginger as well, so... <laughs> yeah, put agrees. Prime target. I'm right out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what were your coping me- mechanisms? Did you have anything in place or like a support that you could rely on, or was it just sink or swim type scenario when you were a kid? Um, for like for a little while, it was very much just kind of like just kind of accepting it as the norm. I would say, like, I hadn't really experienced it before but like you know i just kind of thought that maybe this is what school was like kind of thing like i hadn't really like you know it didn't really cross my mind a whole lot apart from obviously if things were said and stuff like that it was upsetting immediately but it didn't really like you know uh like linger too much in my mind and stuff like that um but yeah i don't know i i think realistically one when the bullying first started and stuff like that it was i was probably too young to really kind of comprehend it but it's the the next couple of years after that once it started to progress that you know stuff got noticeably worse you got anything Adelina? i'm just um just trying to imagine what it'd be like me being a, a chubby redhead with uh two fingers i i, I don't know how I'd, I'd cope you know i found bullying hard enough in primary school as it was, so yeah. Well, yes, well, very true. But um, Luke, could you tell us, like, when do you re- remember it being at its worst? Like, when do you remember the, the bullying being at its 
worst like time for you personally. Like I know you very well now and there is not a single person in this world who could give you shit about that hand where it would affect you. But I can imagine growing up that it would have at some point. But can you remember a specific time where it was the worst? Yeah, I'd, I'd say I can't necessarily think of like a one specific instance, but I'd say it was about between the ages of like um, uh, like seven to nine years old. <clears throat> um, I went to a school that wasn't, you know, wasn't great. Uh, I was also uh, probably one of the only white kids in a very multicultural school, which, you know, then you, uh, you know, it just kind of added another thing of me being a target there. Um, but uh, from, yeah, like the age was kind of like seven to nine kind of thing. Uh, I, I guess by that stage, you know, the, the other the other boys and stuff like that in like in in primary school had like you know got to the point where maybe they were starting to get a bit aggressive or looking for targets and that kind of stuff and there were stages in that time where i was getting just randomly punched like every day sometimes there was like there was one in like kind of it sounds ridiculous to say but because like they're like they would have been like eight but there was like an actual kind of like little gang or click whatever of like eight-year-old kids that um you know like would all attack me at once and basically gang bash me and stuff and and that was you know quite bad and and for like the first little bit i'd kind of like you know i'd cry about it and i'd tell the teachers and nothing would happen and stuff like that and then uh you know i'd, I'd tell my parents and like my dad would be like yeah look go go to the principal go to the the teachers and then see if they can do anything but it's you know what school's like they don't really do anything about it it's always like oh if we catch them in the act then we can stop it but realistically instances and i, th- I imagine even once you're an adult and you're getting into you know a lot of if you're getting into fights and things as an adult realistically instances of violence are quite fast they're not easy they're not an easy thing to monitor it's, it's kind of like damage control after it's happened um but yeah during that kind of age as well i really began to fight back and um and my dad was basically just like yeah i mean if you get into trouble for hitting someone i'll come to the school and and, and he was like yeah i'll just i'll just you know tell the principal how it is so i just started hitting kids back and um it was probably it was the worst time but it was also the most liberating time so i could imagine yeah but uh so the worst stuff happened then but it was also the time when i learned to really defend myself as well they do say, and, and look, I don't necessarily agree with this, but a lot, a lot of people say you got to go through trauma to come out on the other end. You got to go through something to make you the person that you were born to be. Um, and, and as I said, I I'm, don't know exactly if I believe it, but I think there's a fair bit of truth to it. I know I went through some stuff through primary school, hence what high school I wanted to be a bit of a different person, and, and I didn't want to be the kid that got picked on no more. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've looked at it as the switch and it sounds like when the physical abuse started coming your way that's when you sort of flicked that switch and you you had that discussion with your dad like you got that off your father he gave you that permission and inside you you thought fuck it really like what have i got to lose dad's on my side that's that's all i need um how was your relationship growing up with your dad was he someone that said 
that took you aside and said, look, this is how you fight. This is how, this is how life is, son. Before going to school, do you remember, did he give you any talks and say you are different, but, um, you know, I, I love you and these are the reasons why you're special? Or how was it? Because he obviously knew having two fingers was never going to be an easy strife for you, especially considering the fact that you might have been a bit bigger. You, you're a white kid in a school that was pretty multicultural. How was his, you know, figure around you as a kid growing up? Uh, look, he was... Um... He was very, uh, he always had my back and he was very caring and things like that. Almost like to a fault, really, because he'd say things like, you know, son, maybe you're the normal one and everyone with 10 fingers is wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, like, obviously no. Like, but, <laughs> but um, like, he was very supportive and like, he didn't necessarily like, uh, like teach me to fight, but like, he, he told me to fight basically if I, if I needed to. Um, uh and yeah he'd, he'd always uh like come back me up or like if if i needed to go to the principal's office for it and stuff like that as well and all that kind of stuff but like he was um yeah he, he was like always a big believer um but it was definitely a difficult uh kind of time like i won't really get into it but there was other other kind of like familial stuff going on as well so it was kind of a bit of like you know getting getting like you know bullied and harassed at school and then like for a lot of at home was also not necessarily a safe kind of point either apart from my dad at the time yeah so it was a bit of a like a bit of a double-edged sword that i was um kind of like teetering on but you couldn't uh, go somewhere and be comfortable home or school or wherever yeah yeah like exactly like the only time that i really felt like i was like you know real uh i guess like real kind of safe or or, you know, like truly cared for was um, probably when I was at my grandparents' place. Uh, but that's because they basically spoiled me and like, you know, I'd, I'd call up my nan on like the first day of school and she'd ask me how school went. And I'd be like, yeah, like some kid called me a two-fingered freak today. And then she'd just like start bawling her eyes out and stuff. Um, like, it's, like it, it's all horrible. And like thinking of it at the time, it's all bad. But like, I look back at it now and some of the stuff that people said to me is actually hilarious and like good on them for thinking of it at the time. <laughs> they, yeah. they were quite clever, I presume. Yeah. Which is also funny because he now probably just hears it on a regular basis at work by everyone that we work with. Because like I said, now it's just like, like when, like, as Luke said, we do expos all over Australia and like I use that to my advantage to almost like talk people into getting tattooed by him. Um, so like these days, which is because obviously, as you said, Dan, like you have to go through trauma to become who you are supposed to be. And like, if you knew Luke personally, like as well as I do, like I said, these days, like there's not a single thing that can hurt Luke. Like the things that get said at work <laughs> should not be mentioned on this podcast because it is a hundred percent workplace bullying. But like consensual. I give it back. It's all right. Oh yeah, it's a hundred percent given back. For like, like, like I said, we could go on, on and on about the sort of stuff that gets mentioned at our at our shop, um, which is all in good in in good faith. And as I said, I use the fact that he's got two fingers to my advantage at all expos. Like I talk people, like I make people feel bad for not wanting to get tattooed by him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And you got to have banter at work. Good banter is what gets you through the hard days. Um, Luke, getting through to high school now, how was the start of your high school and what were your best memories? Let's go with something positive 
coming into high school? Was there anything in particular that, you know, you took up anything musical or is that when you realised that you were a good artist or give us a little bit of insight into your first years at high school? Oh, look, I wouldn't be good at playing saxophone or anything. I, don't really I was going to say, dude, what do you mean a musical <laughs> instrument? He's got less fingers. He can't play instruments, man. What are you oh, talking man, about? Baby's bass. Baby's bass. I kind of always liked the idea of playing drums, but I really can't hold the stick properly. Like, it kind of just flops around. So it's not really an issue. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Going into high school, um, I think I kind of, like, really flourished in the creative fields and because that's just things that i'd already done anyway but you know high school just gives you more more space to kind of expand on that so look i'm, I'm a massive nerd as well like also probably another reason why i was picked on like i just i just keep on giving people ammunition to pick on me but like i like, I'm, I'm a massive nerd through and through like i've always loved like you know medieval stuff dungeons and dragons like lord of the rings all stuff like that like you know, I, I remember being in, in uh, like, when I was in primary school and everyone loved Eminem and 50 Cent and I loved Lord of the Rings. And, you know, it was very different. Um, but, like, getting into high school, like, I, I really kind of, like, you know, discovered, like, a, a, a love and passion for, like, creative writing and, you know, developing my art skills and stuff. And I do think that, yeah, like, there was definitely... That was definitely some sort of escape or, or like, you know sharing trauma through my art and stuff not not in like any sort of like you know like brunswick hipster artsy way where i'm actually showing but but in the way that you know just drawing was a good release for me um so yeah like that was probably the thing that i really liked at, at the start of high school and like you know, making new friends and and meeting people from different areas and stuff uh but i was quite sheltered and became a bit of a um an introvert as well at the same time which is probably like that's all from the trauma and stuff but it, it was a time of it was a good time of self-expression but maybe not in a social sense and when you talk about not in a social sense did you have one mate that you really bonded with or became a really good friend of yours or was it just not really that case for you no, I definitely did. I had a couple of friends from, um, like, say, from primary school that ended up going to high school with me. I, I definitely became really good friends with a few other kids that I hadn't met before. But you know, we like we really clicked, and I did have a really good little group. Um, and you know, a lot of us have since gone our separate ways and stuff like that. But like the, but those times of of uh, like that early friendship and stuff like that always always means a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, like, we, we went to each other's houses a lot and, you know, have, like, you know, your sleepovers and stuff when, like, when you're a kid and all that was... I still had, like, the high school experience, I guess, but um, but probably beneath it all, I was really... from more, more trauma than I could really acknowledge because I wasn't old enough or developed enough really to actually know what was going on. So I would say that there was probably, like, you know a good few years where I just kind of thought I was really tired, but I was probably actually really, really depressed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, depression is, that's definitely one symptom that you get, especially as a kid. And it's not really recognizable as far as I'm aware um, when it comes to depression. But you, when you see it in adults and you see people get real tired or fatigued, it can definitely be a big warning sign that that could be something that they're suffering and it could be past trauma. It could be something that they're going through at the time. Um, yeah. I could imagine it'd be really hard to dissect as a kid that's only in his teenage years, that's going through puberty as well. Like it's a very, very vulnerable age, anywhere between the age of 12 and 16. 
No, 100%. Um, and on top of that, now I know the answer to this, Dan, but it's always it's going to be a bit of a switch um, on on bullying as like with Luke. Now, Luke, um, ex- talk to me about some of the bullying scenarios in your life in high school. As in what? Well, what are you implying, Dan? Um, <laughs> were you bullied in high school for the fact that you got less fingers and less problems than everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I touching I, on actually it was like because of the fact that uh, you did say you fought back in primary school. Um, what was there similar scenarios in high school? Because I know that fights in high school. I know at my high school as well, fights could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I I don't know. I went to a school that like realistically it kind of had a bad reputation, but I didn't really see any of it. Um, I feel yeah. like that's a lot of schools though too. Yeah. Like, I feel like my school had a bad rep as well, but like yeah. there might have been like a one or two fights, but like yeah, no, realistically mine, like that's... Mine was school. mine was pretty fine. Like realistically, I remember there was like one fight where like the most bogan kid you could think of like, you know, like called out another guy to fight and the other guy knew karate and kicked him and the bogan kid quickly ran to the teacher. Like, you know, like stuff like that. Like, it, like the, the fights were a joke, like for the most part that I saw. But, uh, like, didn't mean that there wasn't, like, any bullying and stuff. I think it was more so, like, that uh, people might have been a bit more visibly, like, uncomfortable with, like, you know, with with me or my hand or whatever. And, like, um, yeah, but that that's probably, like, you know, the most of it. I think what I noticed more in high school was that uh, I found myself having more bullying tendencies and being becoming more of a bully because of my you know my own kind of feeling of inferiority or trauma and things like that that had led to like i said like i was feeling quite depressed and a bit of a a bit of an introvert and things like that but i'd also become quite um like quite paranoid and on edge and a bit socially anxious and things with people that i didn't know if it was people that I knew, I wasn't quite as bad, but, you know, so I, I think a lot of that kind of like, you know, it outwardly came off as, you know, me being you know, a bit standoffish or a bit of a bully towards other people, um, but out of like a self-preservation kind of way. And I know that, you know, that that still doesn't excuse it. And I've really tried to uh, later on in life apologize to anyone that I'm still in contact with that I did you know either treat treat badly or or you know say anything bad to but yeah it's it was it was a strange time you were bullying to almost prevent them bullying you in a way i would yeah and to like get in there before they get to you first sort of thing yeah exactly. which i can understand in a way when you are i suppose different to everybody else yeah but a, a lot of it like I don't know. A, a lot of it, for instance, I think was like, there, there's probably only a couple of cases that I can think of that I felt like really, really bad about at the time because it was actually like uncalled for bullying of someone that I felt like immediately afterwards, I was like, man, I'm a terrible person. I'm an actual piece of shit. But for the most part, it was kind of like banter with mates that had gone too far and then unfortunately lasted years. <laughs> um but you know, I've I've still seen a lot of them since, and talked to a lot of them, and and they've all you know 
most of them anyway have like forgave me for anything that I said or did or whatever it was all just stupid stuff I don't know it's ridiculous to look back on and think that the things that you think in high school meant so much at the time it is man like I look back on my high school and some of the silly things that meant a lot to me but it's what shapes you as well it's what helps create your own mindset to who you want to be what your values are um i honestly think puberty has a, has a big impact when it comes to what we want or what we think we want um and outside factors as well you could have a really shitty home life and that's going to impact the importance to you you could have a really shitty relationship with your teachers and the kids that you go to school with sometimes it only takes one kid or one person or, or one relative that you can take to and it can change everything for you and your mindset it could even just be a friend that um you end up working for like like you know similar to what Dettlin is um my, my biggest thing is what was something that affected you it could be at school it could be at home it could be any anything it might not even have to do with your appearance it could just be something that's inside of you what was something that in, in affected you in such a great way and how was your response to it did you they would talk about a fight or flight response was it something that you were able to calm yourself down something that you could tell someone or did you just fight fire with fire in this particular this particular time um I know it's a deep question as well. Yeah. I'm just like, damn, dude, that was like <laughs> real deep. I'm like, bring yeah. it, bring it, big questions. Damn, what did you tell me? Uh, like, what, what are you telling me? But no, I'm. I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a hard one. It's like at the time, uh, I can't really think of a lot of things that were necessarily like, like uh, like a, any sort of like you know main like a like event or kind of catalyst for any sort of feeling like that. I think for myself. Um, kind of like through what I had experienced um, I kind of came to the realisation of and like again it's a deep question it's a bit of a deep answer but like I think because of uh, like my past trauma from like my my personal life at home and uh, the the bullying that I experienced at school and things like that I kind of like came to the realisation of um you know that life really is precious and that life is something that can be taken away basically at any point kind of thing and and that you know there is yeah you're, you're not like I, I at a quite a young age i kind of you know realized that you're not invincible i didn't really go through a period of being like a 15 year old kid that i thought that thought i could handle the world and no one can beat me and like i'm the strongest kid and stuff like that i was very much the opposite um and how i kind of like dealt with that was i became real real uh anti-social not not in the sense of violent and stuff like that but in the way of like just secluding myself and like like from people and staying indoors and letting my paranoia get the best of me and and uh, not letting myself really experience a lot of things with friends and stuff like that. You know, like a lot of my friends would go out to the shopping center and see a movie or like, you know, just hang around the park for the day and stuff like that. And like, I was too afraid of, again, because of like experiencing physical violence and emotional violence and stuff at quite a young age. Uh, I get, and you know, hearing once you're older, like hearing of like, you know, other people that are teenagers getting stabbed in areas and stuff like that. I just let all that overcome me and kind of got to the, you know, I was, I was 15 and I just stayed home and be like, well, well, why would I go outside when this could happen or this could happen? And, you know, like 
just imagining all the worst case kind of scenario. I think for me, it was less of like, I didn't necessarily have like a catalyst that ended up showing me a fight or flight kind of thing. I think it was more so that I just had like a buildup of enough, um, yeah, enough trauma in the past that it kind of eventually broke me um, for quite a number of years, unfortunately. And I didn't really get out of that until I was out of high school. Good answer, man. That is a really good answer. You got anything you want to add with that, Dylan? Not a lot, man. Honestly, not really. Like that was, uh, that was pretty deep. Um, but it's obviously stuff that I've heard before. And, and obviously, you know, Luke and I have had many uh, conversations about life and things that we've been through. And as adult friends should, um, especially, you know, us men who who have been told that obviously, especially in our generation by our dads and our, and our grandparents and stuff like that, that we need to be... Uh, you know, tough and we don't, men don't talk about their feelings. I think it's good that, you know, now that we're at a certain age, like we, cause like Luke and I are the same age. So it's good to like talk about some of those things now. So obviously I, I knew, I've known a lot about this stuff and I, I know a lot about what Luke's been through in life. So um, it's good that he's now at a stage in his life where he's happy to talk about it and to those close to him, of course. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And, Admiral, Abram, I don't even know how to say it. Admirable. Admirable. Yeah. <laughs> that, he, that, he's, that he can talk about it. Yeah, it definitely is. And it, it's obviously taken some growing and some healing. Uh, my question to you, Luke, after high school, even during high school, did you seek some kind of help for everything that you've been going, that you're going through or to get in touch with your own feelings? Or how did you come across to become the person you are today? Well, I had like, like kind of had like, get out of that or like you know, what, yeah what yeah because you talk yeah. about it was a really bad yeah. and that you sort of enclosed yourself to a lot of things how did you get back into the frame of life and to become the person you are today and so positive yeah well i there was kind of a few things that happened so it's kind of like i guess a multi-stage answer i um while i was in high school i did get recommended to a psychologist uh not for me gotta say like obviously i like psychologists are fantastic and they know what they're talking about i got i ended up getting diagnosed with um like just ptsd uh i didn't get medicated or anything for it i didn't want to get medicated i you know i like who i am even at the time i liked who i was enough to not want any sort of medication for anything just wanted to try to work through it myself but um i i basically got diagnosed but didn't really find the rest of whatever my psych was saying you know, very helpful uh, i think for the problems that i had at the time her um her help wasn't or what she was suggesting wasn't very useful um but i think realistically for me getting out of the high school environment was the biggest the biggest change and for anyone that's you know still in high school i know that's not that that's not much of a help being like yeah just wait till it's over <laughs> but but for me, getting out of that high school environment, I think, was the the big first step because in high school, you know, I'd look at everyone, I'd look at all, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd be so paranoid and and distrustful of everyone. I'd, I'd like, you know, look at 
whatever clicks of people were around and be like, oh, they hate me because of this and this and this and this and this. And then like you get out to the big wide world outside and you're like, oh, actually none of that crap matters. Like, And that person over there doesn't even know who I am. Yeah, exactly. Like none of that matters. Like, you know, this person that was cool in high school is now just, you know, Greg, you know, like they're some guy. It's, it's someone that, you know... <laughs> he went on to do a trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, that, that guy that bullied you in high school is probably going to, you know, come, I don't know, plaster your wall someday or something. You know, like, it's... None of that crap matters anymore. That's kind of the thing that I realised. Um, but still at the time, I guess I... Even after all that, I still uh, had, you know, my... Uh, enough things inside kind of eating me up that I still kind of... Um, you know, kept myself from experiences and going out a lot and and kind of like, you know, let my inner demons kind of get to me and stuff. But the thing that I think really kind of freed me, and this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but uh, I went to a festival and became a dirty hippie for a weekend. And... Uh, Just Burning Man? Yeah, well, the, the Aussie Burning Man. Um, burning Seed, great place go there uh, but i went <laughs> it there change your life. it did it changed mine uh and um yeah i i guess i i kind of got like not conned into it but i i went there not 100 percent thinking that i was going to enjoy it but it was like my first time really you know going away for a prolonged amount of time to an area that i didn't know uh to a festival that i'd never been to um that i had no idea what to expect and it was basically just like naked hippies walking around on every drug imaginable shit faced out of their mind and like not that i'm promoting that as a cause uh, you know as the action for mental health but you know being around all these people that you know when i was a teenager i would have thought oh my god these people are on drugs like you know they're going to be insane and they're going to attack me going from that to being around all these people that just want to have a good time and they're just partying and uh, uh, to go to an area that's full of loving random individuals that you don't know that just want you to have a good time and want you to be involved in whatever they're doing and feeling included uh was probably the most liberating experience for me and like i almost cried coming back the first time i was like i don't want to leave um and i've gone pretty much every year since apart from the years that it's been um you know closed down because of the pandemic and whatever else uh but that was one of the that's probably the main uh, the, apart from the realizations after high school that was the main thing that like was me getting my foot in the door of like getting back into the wide world again and not caring and really the thing that that helped me kind of um, achieve was the the mental state that I'm in now where like you know I look back at what I was like when I was younger and in high school and I just kind of think of how ridiculous it was because realistically Nothing really bothers me now. Like, literally I, I, nothing. Like, literally nothing. I could probably have like one of the worst days imaginable, and then just be like, "Oh well, it'll be better tomorrow." Like, you know, there's there's not really anything that really gets me down now. I'm like, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm super optimistic about everything, but I'm I'm realistic about things, and I know that you know you can have a bad day, but it will get better, or you can always try a bit harder to make sure that you're not in that bad place again, and. Yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of personal growth, um, but that's kind of the thing that I've taken away from it all is a more positive mindset and um, and just kind of like knowing that I can achieve anything if I put mind to it. That's a strong answer too, man. Fire out! We're getting deep. For some of this. 
And hey, honestly, he he's not wrong. There is literally nothing that brings this guy down. Nothing. That's awesome to hear, bro. And sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, even the horrible things <laughs> things we say to him at work. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm just thinking. Sometimes it takes an, an experience like you're talking about. You just you had no expectations, which they reckon no expectations when you go into something when you have like a really good experience is something that's going to blow your mind doesn't matter who you are or um doesn't matter how old you are at the, at the time either uh and it's awesome that you're just around these these people like whether they're on drugs or whether they'll just really love lovely people to have that impact on you that you just you saw kindness you felt love you know that there's a, a, a different part of life sometimes it's the oxygen that you need to breathe at the time and it, it does give you that different mind frame so my question to you was how old were you when you had this experience um, I would have been, um, I would have just turned 20, I think. So, so he would have gone to this event with his shoes tied. I would have gone there with my shoes tied and he wasn't wearing shoes. Out, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> well, hang on. He had to, well, I suppose. No, he, yeah. to be fair though, like to this day, he still barely wears shoes. I could tell yeah. you some weird scenarios <laughs> where I've rocked up to his house and seen him not fully dressed. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I was so I was I was 20 when I went to this, and like yeah, I still had a bit of bit of working on myself to do, and and getting myself into a happier place, like maybe you know like work wise or career wise and things like that. But that was that was the age that I feel like I finally kind of overcome everything that had kept me down through my childhood and my teen years, and was able to kind of put that stuff past me. And like I was saying before, like you know start apologizing to people that I've then realized that you know for years I may have mistreated them or hurt their feelings and stuff as well and um and yeah but like it's it's from those strange experiences going to like a, a hippie fest in the middle of nowhere and just little and just realizing little things like you know like the world isn't always out to get you and stuff like that like I remember being there and I was really hungry and I was walking back to my camp and just like there was just this camp that was just handing out free bacon sandwiches and i was like my god the world is actually great like there's people <laughs> out there that will give you a free bacon sandwich if you want it and that kind of like as as weird as like, as niche of a moment as that is that was kind of like one of those little things that gave me some hope for for people again <laughs> and you should see how upset he gets when maccas don't give him a free one <laughs> oh, even talk about he's it. like man this this could be so much better we could be camped <laughs> with no shoes on getting free bacon sandwiches and you're giving me donuts oh how good would Macca's be in the camping though? oh yeah, yeah it'd be amazing <laughs> like when we went to Unify like oh. that would have been prime to not spend $30 on a shitty pizza and <laughs> just got given McDonald's oh yeah how close is McDonald's to your shop Oh, we don't. We try not to do that sort of stuff at the shop, but um, I mean, we're 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 pretty close to a lot of things. We're, we've actually got a pub across the road. Oh, and that has been utilised. I'm sure. I'm sure it has been plenty of times. We all tell ourselves. We all tell ourselves that we're on diets though, and that we're really hitting the gym today. And then like we'll order Uber Eats and then like not go to the gym. But yeah, it's 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 a good dynamic. Detlin told me he's looking fit as a fiddle these days. That is true though. Luke, yeah. Luke has to, but at the same time, like the worst part about being in a shot with people who don't watch what they eat is being someone who is now watching what they eat and not happy with how you look, but also being thinner. Like, for example, like I'm still thinner than Luke and Luke will be like, 
I'm so happy with like how I look and I'll be like, I hate how I look and he'd be like, shut up, you're like tiny. Yeah, you are tiny. Like <laughs> you just you just are, I'm sorry. Like you were tiny when you started. You've lost weight that didn't exist in the first place. <laughs> Whereas I'm like I'm I'm still sitting like over hundred kilos and I look at myself and I just you know do the whole do the whole uh, fat bastard like I'm dead sexy and, <laughs> and you know I'm 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 sitting there like oh, even like when we went to Unify I was just oh yeah and like, let's let's talk about yeah, that actually oh, yeah, yeah. so there's like again when we when we talk about some of the stuff that Luke's been through and we talk about how like you know, all the trauma and all the stuff, like being paranoid and thinking that the world's out to get him and all that sort of stuff. Only last year, was it last year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year, we, we went to a festival together and I swear, I, <laughs> I barely saw Luke, but when I did, he was walking around in a skirt. In a skirt? Bless in your skirt. Cotton. I, was, I, was, I was walking around in a skirt. And yeah. nothing else. No, I, I had a flannel shirt with the sleeves cut off. But, yeah. yeah, and you had your shoes on, tied. No, uh, no, 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 not no even, shoes. Not then. No, no, I was like, I was in like my, my, my skirt. I had a flannel shirt that had no sleeves. I just had like my guts out. Like, 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 Detlin uh, even like came across and like slapped me in because I was so sunburned. That handprint lasted a long time. But that's what yeah, I mean. he was wearing I'm, my handprint for like yeah. at least a few hours. There's but, actually a photo. There is a photo. Detlin's just sent me that photo actually, and that's going to be. <laughs> The cover of our Spotify, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like that's that's where I'm at now. Like I'm I'm confident in myself. Like kind of like not not in the way that I think I'm a god and stuff like that. I don't think highly of myself, but I just again I don't care. Like I'm I'm me. The world can kind of accept it. Uh, I don't really care. Like pe- people can think what you want to think, but I'm I'm happy enough in me that. And walk around a festival in a skirt and a sleeveless flannel shirt and be happy. To be fair, I think on the booking app that we've got, the photo of you on that that I used was you in shorts and, and that same flanny with nothing else on. <laughs> <laughs> did you? I tend to do a lot of. I always uh, like all the photos of me like that are get that are on the, that app is like a good photo. Like yeah. actually, my most recent one that I've put as is my modelling photos for Wilder House. Yeah. And then everyone else's photos are like horrid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, stuff all of you, you're all going to be get crap photos and I'm going to be the one with the good one. Not that, but the funny thing is just no one sees it. It's, it's realistically just us. I love it. I love it. Oh, I want to know, where did you get the skirt from, Luke? Where did you pick it up? Or did you just like sit on the ground and thought, that's mine? Uh, it actually belongs to my missus. Oh. And, um, it's, it's kind of just my skirt now. Like if I go camping, I'm happy to just wear a skirt. You know, it falls out. You know, I, I reckon... The fashion industry. To be fair, we should wrong. actually talk about how unfortunate you were at that festival on the first night of your sleeping arrangement. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. Uh, so it's 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 like to go on with the skirt. So basically, like this festival, it's like in the middle of summer, mm-hmm. but it's in the middle of nowhere. So like the days are like what thirty to thirty-five, almost forty degrees. Like it's like proper hot. And you're pretty much just drinking all day because... Well, I am. Well, you are, but because it's so hot, but you don't feel it until it gets to nighttime. Come nighttime, and it is like... Oh, cold. Freezing. So like, cold. It is like... Victoria cold. Proper, proper cold. Um, like, I, like I, I can't even imagine, like, how cold it was anymore. Like, it was no, that bad. It was, it was real bad, but my... But this idiot forgot... 
all of his bedding, forgot all of it. Mind you, we're like three, four hours away from home. So like, there's no like, oh, we'll just duck home and get some. Like we rock up and he had nothing. Um, so we gave him a tent to himself and he was covered in every jumper that he probably owned. Like every bit, no, you put trackies yeah, around the, your the arms. Thing is, yeah, the thing is I didn't bring any real like warm weather clothes like cold weather clothing because i was like it's gonna be 35 degrees why would i need a jumper like i'll I'll just have like my doona and nah forgot all of it and even worse we had i I had a um a blow-up mattress that i didn't blow up because i'm asthmatic why why the fuck would i try to blow that up so i'm sleeping basically just on the ground and uh drunk out of my mind wearing a skirt and like a singlet with every other item of clothing i have like wrapped around me and like it was the worst sleep I've ever had. I like woke up and I started sculling just straight alcohol to see if I could pass out and sleep better. Um, but you know, didn't bring any any uh, like blankets or anything. But had like probably three hundred bucks worth of straight liquor for myself for the week. But uh, yeah, uh, all you could think about, wasn't it? Ah, uh, it was it was great. But, That's yeah, what festivals are all about. But it's a funny story to tell to the to the grandchildren one day. Yeah. And you didn't have, you didn't bring a pump to pump your mattress up. No one had a pump that you could borrow to get it no, off. Man, we, we had limited space. We took one car. We we're like, all right, dump it all in the back. Whatever it doesn't fit is not coming. The yeah. pump you could have strapped to the car. You could have strapped it to your body, Dan. Dan, Dan we don't need logic here, mate. We were just too excited to drive four hours to this festival to get started. Hypothermia that Luke's might have possibly <laughs> got in wrap. Could have ended up with lost fingers. Jumpers and flannel. <laughs> yeah, could have, could have lost some fingers. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Could have lost fingers in the other no, hand. Lost the palm. Lost keep the, the, palm. Keep the fingers. Just safe them on the end of the stomach. So it's fair to say, Luke, you've got some good memories now. You've got some great mates. And life seems to be looking up, especially with your career as well and getting into the tattoo industry. How long have you been tattooing for now? Um... Well, it's a little bit hard to say because of COVID and like lockdowns getting in the way and all that type of stuff. But I've been with the shop for almost three years. Three years? Uh, yeah. So. Is that it? Yeah, I know, right? longer. Yeah. That's, yeah. We, we just ragging each other that much that it just yeah. seems like longer. Well, no, we, you know what we didn't actually talk about, Dan? What's that? The first day that Luke and I met. <laughs> all right, let's rewind. Tell us so, the first. Like. This, it's actually a really funny story, but it's still like, it was still nice and it was like any other day. It was at the, so every year um, at my business partner's house, we usually throw a, like a Halloween party um, where basically we set up his house as like a haunted house and we let the kids go through. Um, it's actually like the most fun because we like all of us at the shop dress up and we um, we just basically try to scare the parents and make the kids laugh, but like, we get like we end up on the news and stuff for it and whatever else. It's great fun, but um, we met there like years like before he started tattooing with us. Um, well, you started as an apprenticeship with us, but we we before he even started you know his tattoo career, and um, yeah, I was introduced to Luke and and as you do as a normal human being, as as you you put your hand out to shake their hand. To, with your right hand. With your right hand, right? Yeah, yeah. Normally the right hand is the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, the right hand is the way to do it. So that is exactly what I did. And I was, you know, my pa always taught me, look the man in the eyes, you know, firm handshake, all that stuff. So as we've just mentioned earlier, that Luke um, is not dominant in his right hand um, for the fact that he is missing fingers. And 
it's not every day that you grab something to shake their hand and your your fingertips touch your palm, which means my hand is wrapped all the way around his finger. Now, usually at, at that moment, yeah, it's a bit weird. You're like, what the hell is that? What's going on there? Now, I just immediately thought that he flopped his dick out and put it in my hand. <laughs> oh. Well, like, again, it was <laughs> you, like, you got think sh- about it. It's like, it was at about dick height, and I was like, people ever always say to me, like, how big do you think it was? Like, you know, it, you know, where you put your hand. I'm like, man, honestly, at the time, I just didn't think about it because usually you're looking for a palm, like you're looking to touch palms, but my whole hand just wrapped around and held onto this thing. And I was like, this dude is like awesome. He's like, <laughs> put his dick in my hand as a joke to be like, yeah, man, great to meet you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to pull it out that my dick is much smaller than my finger. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was actually how Luke and I met all those years ago, which is actually, to this day, why, like, I tell everyone that story because it's, <laughs> it's, it's so funny because, like, logically, I'm like, yeah, true, like, why would you do that to someone? And realistically, yes, his dick probably wasn't that big where that would happen. But <laughs> at the same time, like... It's it's not every day that that happens, and now to this like whenever we like I know that someone's going to meet Luke, me and Tay are always stand there looking at their face, waiting to see how they <laughs> react to when they shake his hand. <laughs> oh gee, and we, don't, we try not to tell anyone about it either, but I sometimes can't help myself. <laughs> I'm like, he's got those fingers. <laughs> uh, I did have to give um, my missus a, a pre warning though because I felt bad. So I, I'll bet you did. You don't want to lose your misses, um, no. Luke. I, I had an uncle that that missed fingers, but he wasn't born with it. He actually was in a car accident, and he had yep. his fingers outside of the car window when the car flipped and landed on its side, and just the the road obviously took the fingers out. So yeah, he, he had stumps, like he had part partly fingers. Yeah. And uh, the first time I met him, because he was Dutch, he, he came to Australia and. Uh, he had a little trick when he met people, especially young kids. I would have been nine. And he was showing me his hand and all his fingers. And he's like, give me a high five. And they're making a bit of a dance about it. And I've just been a kid. You know, mum, dad, be polite. You know, this is your uncle, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he then goes, want to see a magic trick? Oh, being nine, you want to see a magic trick for sure. It's like, yeah, I want to see a magic He made me cry. <laughs> Next minute, he had no fingers, and I was like, "Put your fingers back." He's like, "I don't have fingers." Look, 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 look. I cried. I did. I, I didn't know how to handle it. First uh, time. <laughs> Uncle Ben was his name. Uncle Benjamin. So that's actually brought up a good question, Luke. What do you think it's going to be like when you one day have kids? How are you going to talk to them about it, provided they're also not deformed? But like, um, you know, is that is that something that's gone through your head before where you're like, when I have kids, how am I going to explain to them why I'm different in comparison to them? Uh, either I'll just say that like, that, well, obviously I'm just better than them because like I, don't, <laughs> I, I do everything anyway and I have less fingers, so I'm better. But uh, either I'll play it off as like a real cool joke that I just let go on for years. Uh, like just, just tell them different stories about how it happened. Like, you know, like every day like anyway. like we do with customers and stuff anyway but uh or you know use it as a really good threat because like you know like <laughs> n- nothing nothing says like bad stuff's gonna happen like uh looking at my hand and less fingers <laughs> true being like oh, i i i talked back to my dad three times Look. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which yeah. is actually sometimes what we tell the apprentices at work i'm always like <laughs> 
Luke talked like Luke did the rock thing three times and now he doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. Which look, they're adults and they can understand that we're joking, but like I definitely do can they, though? Well <laughs> I can I can name a few of them that would have less fingers <laughs> by now. <laughs> Detlin, we've lost you. You've just gone real quiet. Have you guys left the room that you're in or where are you? No. We haven't moved. Can you hear us? Just. You're very, very faint. We've lost... And it even come up on my phone that we lost the connection. Just talk real loud. Like yeah, just real talk, we'll start the, screaming yeah. at, the t- at the phone if you like. <laughs> you might have to. You've literally just wiped yourselves from the chat. Let me see if I can up your volume. Nah. You've gone green again at least, so that's a good thing. We should, we should explain to Luke that this happens like... Every episode. This, this is has happened longest, every episode, Luke. This is the longest episode we've ever gone without a problem, though. I am going to finish this episode because you are very, very faint. You can hardly hear you. And say thank you, Luke, for jumping on the show and introducing yourself. I'm sure you've got plenty of other stories that you've gone through and they're just... You've only got an hour to do the episode. There's only so much you can speak about. But I look forward to meeting you in person. Uh, I'll be hitting Detlin Studio this year, believe it or not, to get to get some tattoos done and finally meet the great man. But guys, have a great night and take care. Thanks so much.